a blessing. What a blessing. Thank you, Miss Madison. I have a wonderful picture of Madison and Mike Owen. Uh, Brother Travis and Miss Joyce joined the church, and they were sitting right there on my chair. And uh, they were a little smaller back then. Amen. And uh, that's a blessing. Well, we started our series. This is our seventh message out of the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, we started with the explanation of faith there in verses 1, uh, 2, and 3. We looked at the, the differentiation of faith, that there's, there's uh, a head faith and then there's saving faith. And we looked at the description of faith. I love uh, W.A. Criswell's definition of what biblical faith is. It says, faith is the solid, unshakable confidence in God, which is built upon the assurance that He will be faithful to His promises. That is, if you are here today and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, that is biblical faith. It's saying this, I am, as we sung at the beginning of the service, I'm standing on the promises of God. Amen. So we looked at the description of faith. We looked at the decoration of faith in verse number 2, how it says there that by it, faith, the elders obtained a good report. It wasn't in their own mighty strength. It wasn't in their power. It wasn't in their will to do something. It was in their small faith in a great God. And then we looked at the deduction of faith in verse 3. I love this. It's, for those of us that know Christ, it's so simple. You know, there's a, there's a crowd out there uh, in the world that's ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Do you know what the Bible says? By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Honestly, it's, for, for me, it's just not that hard. It's not that hard. I read Genesis 1-1 and I believe it. In the beginning, God created the heaven. That's the deduction of faith right there, that God did it. Amen. So that was our first message. Then in our second message, we began to get into these characters that we're looking at as we go through the rest of Hebrews chapter 11. And it starts with a character named Abel. You remember Abel, Cain's brother. And uh, we looked at the way of Abel's faith. We looked at the worth of Abel's faith in verse number 4. We looked at the witness of Abel's faith. And we looked at the wonder of Abel's faith. What's the wonder of Abel's faith? It says this, He being dead, yet speaketh. You say, well, you know, now we have technology, we can capture people's voices and recordings, and I have, uh, uh, Brother Hutchins uh, posted the other day a quote by uh, Brother Curtis Hudson, and I thought to myself, oh, I have so many of his, his sermons on, on, but you know what, Abel didn't have uh, any sermon recorders. All he had was a godly testimony, and he lived 6,000 years ago, and we're still talking about him today. That's a wonder right there. So we looked at the faith of Abel. We looked at the explanation of faith. We looked at the faith of Enoch in verse 5, and we find that Enoch walked with God, and he pleased God, and he was rewarded by God. The Bible says by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. What a reward for faith. Then we looked in verse number 7 at the faith of Noah. 
the faith of Noah. And, and what do we learn about Noah as we go back to Genesis chapter 6 and 7? Uh, what can we learn about Noah? We learn, first of all, that he received the warning of God. God told him it's going to rain, this is going to happen, judgment's going to come, and he received it. We also find that he walked with God. We find that he moved with the fear of God. You know, there's very little, ladies and gentlemen, in our day and age of the fear of God. Anybody ever, ever heard that, that phrase? about? I, I think it, those of us who grew up with fathers with a quick belt said they put the fear of God into you. That's a fact. That's a fact. But you know what? The truth is really only God himself can really put the fear of God in you. But what we do with it is up to us, how we live our lives. So he moved with fear. He said, look, God's going to do what he said. He's going to judge. I better get busy building this ark. He preached the word of God. He obeyed the voice of God. He saved a people for God. And the Bible says he condemned the world by God. In our last two messages, we looked at the great character of Abraham. Abraham sometimes called the father of the faithful, or uh, in the New Testament, in James chapter 2, verse 23, he's called the friend of God. What, a, what, a, what an epitaph to have on your tombstone, the friend of God. And we talked about him particularly there in <clears throat> Genesis chapter 12, when he left Ur of the Chaldees, and we find him listening to God's promise and living by God's promise and looking forward to God's promise. He looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God, it tells us there in verse number 10. And then in our last message, two weeks back, we had a second message there on Abraham, and particularly in regards to Isaac. And we looked at the thrill of Abraham's faith and the testimony of Abraham's faith, and then the test of Abraham's faith. We looked at God gave him Isaac. We're going to talk a little bit about Isaac today. And God gave him Isaac, but then God gave him such a strange request. I want you to take Isaac up to the top of Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice him. And again, sometimes we read that. I remember being a young Christian and reading that in Genesis chapter 22, but Brother Jeff not having yet read Hebrews chapter 11 and thinking, boy, that, that's, that's off. Something, something's wrong there. That, that doesn't seem right. Why would God ask Abraham to do that? And then when you read it in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that Abraham's faith was so much... God had promised Abraham seed through Isaac as the stars of the sky and as the sand of the sea. And if you've ever been on a beach, that's a lot. He said, through Isaac, you'll have seed. Can't do that if Isaac's dead. And so Abraham literally believed that God would raise Isaac from the dead if he put that knife down. And of course, he didn't have to. God was testing his faith, and there was a ram caught in a thicket. And I love what Abraham says in Genesis chapter 22. God will provide himself a lamb. That's exactly what happened on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. God provided himself with a capital H. A lamb, the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So today we look at this, these three characters here in verses 20, well really four if you count Esau, but we look at Isaac, we look at Jacob, we look at Joseph. We're going to 
look at a unique part of each of their faith, but there's something interesting. It says there in verse number 21, if you look at it, it says, by faith, Jacob, when he was a dying. It really, if you know the story in verse number 20, we say, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau when he was old and heading toward death. But then in verse number 22, it says, by faith, Joseph, when he what? Died. Our title today is, The Faith at Death. See, whether we're saved or lost, when we look to the future, when we look down the road, there is a foreboding exit that every one of us must get off at. And it is called death. I think about the funeral on Friday that we had for Mrs. Alcock. And I, if some of you couldn't make it, I know we, we, did, we did live stream it and some that couldn't be here uh, were able to. But I don't often get overly emotional at funerals. I, 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 a couple I have, but I always say it's the preacher's job to keep it together when everyone else is falling apart. That's part of it. I think it was during Pastor Alex's song, he was singing, I, I sung Beyond the Sunset, and then Pastor Alex sung Going Home. And it just, it just hit me back there. I was sitting in my chair, and I closed my eyes and was praying, asking the Lord to help me. And I just thought about this precious lady who had just died. She had died. And I saw her generations out there, and I thought to myself of her faith at death. You know, the Bible simply says this, ladies and gentlemen, Hebrews 9.27, as it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. Ezekiel 18.4, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Bad news, ladies and gentlemen, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned, Romans 5 and 12 tells us. Ecclesiastes 8, 8 says this, There is no man that hath power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit, neither hath he power in the day of death, and there is no discharge in that war. Listen, every one of us has an appointed day when we were born. Every one of us has an appointed day when we're going to take our last breath. I've said this many times, and particularly at funerals. I have known many people, Brother Town, that were alive when the sun came up and dead before it went down. Unless the Lord Jesus Christ comes... And oh, wouldn't that be something to be amongst that company. There is a company that's going to cheat death, but only because of the one who overcame it. And that is the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. I was at the graveside for Mrs. Alcock, and I quoted that verse. And I remember what the old preacher said. He said, how come the dead in Christ raised first? He said, because they got six feet further to go. 
then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air to meet the Lord, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Then you know what it says? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. But that's only one group of people. Everyone else in our text tonight is going to have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There are only two ways a person can die. Only two. They can die in their sins or they can die with their faith in Christ to pay for their sins. The Bible says it's possible to die in faith. By the way, that's not something we hold on to. People say, I've heard the military chaplains, hold on to your faith. You place your faith in Christ and He does the holding. Look what it says there in verse 13, just a few verses up. Right at the beginning of the verse, it tells us this, ladies and gentlemen. These all died in what? Faith. Who's that? That's Abel. That's Enoch. That's Noah. That's Abraham. That's Sarah. They all died placing their faith in the coming Messiah. I believe that the moment a person comes nigh unto death, for a believer, God gives what I call dying grace. I'll never forget one of the most unique experiences I've had, and I've been able to lead people through Christ to Christ through the years, and not as many as I would like, but I remember we, we mentioned Brother Becker's here today, and he mentioned Steve and Debbie Hendershot, and we mentioned uh, Miss Darlene Forner, who's been on our cancer list for some time, doing well. She's uh, having trouble with her hip now, and, uh, but she comes when she can, and of course, when Steve and Debbie are here, they come. But remember her husband, Mike Forner. Mike Forner, Mike and Darlene came one time with Steve and Debbie, and uh, they filled out a visitor card, they filled out a guest card, and so I, the pastor, uh, had a, I don't know if it was a Saturday or Thursday, whatever day it was, and I had that card, and I, I was in the Vandercook area, and I said, I'm going to follow up, and I'll, I'll go and I'll visit them. And I come up walking up the driveway, Brother Hutchins, I'm walking up the driveway, the garage is open, and there is a man in the garage who is Telling his, calling his lawnmower things that I've never heard a lawnmower called before. <laughs> it was interesting. And I walked in the garage and, and I, I said, hey, Mike. And he looked out at me, Brother Beating Cough, and he went, oh, pastor, pastor, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I just like... You know, my stock response to that is, be sorry to him, not to me. I've heard, I've heard all kinds of words in my life. I mean, he was just, it was, it was, he was a tough, gruff Marine. Right, Brother Merrill? Is there any other kind, really? I don't know. <laughs> and he would come with Miss Darlene, but he never budged. And you know what I mean by budged? That doesn't mean everybody has to come to the altar, though it does encourage your preacher once in a while when people do come to the altar. But 
whether that happens. He was just always very tough and shut down. And then he got the word that he had pancreatic cancer. I've personally, my grandmother passed away from pancreatic cancer. I've personally never known anyone to come back from pancreatic cancer. I've known people who have cancer in the kidney, have a kidney removed, cancer in a lung, have a lung removed, different cancer, different parts of the body, but I've never known anybody. It's amazing, too, your pancreas is about that big, little tiny thing. He got pancreatic cancer, and he knew his time was short. You know what they said? It was in, I remember it was in May. They said, you've got six months. Now you think about that, ladies and gentlemen. As a pastor, I plan our calendar out about 18 months in advance, trying to get guest speakers, revival meeting, the different things that we do here, trying to get them all in place to work around schedules. And 18 months in advance. You have six months in May. That means you've seen your last Christmas. Probably not going to make it to Thanksgiving. The, these, these little markers of life that mean so much to us. And I remember walking into his house, sitting in a chair next to him, and said, taking my Bible and saying, Mike, could I show you how to know for sure you're going to heaven? Mrs. Lawley, he said, yes, I'd like that. And I remember just tearfully opening up my Bible and showing him and said, Mike, would you like to trust Christ? And he said, I sure would, I sure would. Dying grace. Dying grace. We're going to look at these three patriarchs here. A grandpa, a son, and a grandson. Who lived by faith and died in faith. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 20. We have the longing faith of Isaac here. The longing faith of Isaac. It says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. You know, we learn a few things about Isaac. If you're to go back in your Bible and, and look in the book of Genesis, you would find, first of all, I believe something we learned about Isaac was he was a very common man. He was a common man. He if we could say it this way, he was the ordinary son of a great father. That, that wouldn't be being unkind to Isaac. Abraham was a, is a great character of faith. Isaac was the ordinary son of a great father. Now, we do know he was the miraculous child in how he was born. You say, what's that, Pastor? That means Abraham was... 99 years old, and Sarah was 90 when Isaac was born. But after he was born, as he grew up and, and did things, he was an ordinary son of a great father. And you know what's interesting, Brother Jeff? He was the ordinary father of a great son. Jacob became this great Bible character. We'll talk about Jacob. But in between there is this 
ordinary man. Can I tell you, the longer I pastor, the more I love, respect, and even revere ordinary men. You know what ordinary men do? They get up and go to work. They provide, I, I had posted, and I, I should have checked with Brother Ken before I did Miss Christine, but he liked it. I had, Miss, Brother Ken sent me a picture of himself in all his rain gear from last week. He's got this beard that looks like a Honduran family's living in it. You know, I mean, it's just it's huge. It's all crusty and icicles falling off it. And, you know, and he's got all his rain gear on. He's a lineman. He's been working 16-hour days. And I, I took a picture of a basketball player, and I put it on one side, and I put Brother Ken's picture on the other side, and I said, millions think this is a hero of the basketball player. But I said, and I, underneath Ken's picture, I put, this is a real hero. You know, thank God for the ordinary man. Thank God for the ordinary man. Some of the best Christians I have ever known were not preachers. They were ordinary people. They were people that worked jobs, provided for their families, loved their kids, grandkids, were faithful to church, gave extra to missions. Ordinary. Jacob was an, uh, uh, the, the, the ordinary son of a great father and the ordinary father of a great son. He was a common man. He and Rebekah had twin boys. And it seems, as we read the Bible, that Isaac favored Esau. And Rebekah favored Jacob. And by the way, just a sidebar, beware of favoritism in families. Beware of that. I never thought I could... Love a child more than Eric after Eric came along, and then God gave us Luke. And I thought, oh, well, how does this work? I, I can't split the love between them, and God, God doesn't split it. He doubles it. Pretty amazing, isn't it? And then after 17 years of marriage and a miscarriage the year before of twins, God gave us our little girl our little Rosie, and I didn't think I could love any... Well, at that point, the boys were a little older, so I knew I could love a little girl probably. Anyway, let's just move along. And God gave us our little Rosie. But we've tried. Tried not to favor them. You know, the favoritism bled <laughs> into Jacob's life. You remember Jacob? Remember what happened to him with favoritism? So he was a common man, Isaac was. But you know what else he was? He was a confident man. The closer he got to death, the more confidence he had in God. He was willing, it says here uh, in verse 20, it says, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning what? Things to come. You know what that is? Concerning the future. When we preach, we preach on prophecy and, and, and different prophetic events, uh, there's a great book by J. Dwight Pentecost called Things to Come. It's a textbook for many Bible colleges. Things to Come. 
the things that are going to unfold. He was a confident man in the fact that the closer he got to death, he had more confidence in God, and he was willing to trust God in the things to come. You know, when you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you entrusted Him with the things to come in your life. You know, life's not always easy. Not. Somebody asked me yesterday, "How's your wife doing at the at the tournament?" I think Clay asked me too, but this was another time. I just said, uh, and I, I mentioned it to Clay as well. I said, "You know what we're having to do right now? Trust." Now we've been doing that for many years during the good times. Some of you right now, you're in the good times of your life. Praise God. Yeah, maybe there's, there's always a little too much month at the end of the money. That's just life, amen? You know, the older you get, you look at those things and you go, man, why did I worry about it? I think, I think it's going to be uh, the first, I don't know, 10,000 years of heaven is us just going like this. Why did I worry about that? What, why, was, why did I let that bother me so much? But here we find Isaac and he's... He's a confident man. He's trusting. He, and I love this. He had faith in things to come despite his sin. Remember the, the Bible says in the book of Romans that, that through the patriarchs, you know, what advantage hath the Jew? Through, what advantage hath the Jew? Through them chiefly came the oracles of God, meaning we got the Bible from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you understand what an amazing thing this is and how we know that the Holy Spirit wrote this book? It's, if we got the Bible from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the Holy Spirit isn't involved, we got trouble because they were all liars. Remember when Isaac lied? Just, when his, just like when his dad did? When it was the time in regards to his wife and he said, well, they'll, they'll kill me and take her and so he lied. Can I tell you something, young people? I hope you'll remember this. Praise God that God forgives and forgets sin when we confess it to Him. But you never do. You never forget your sin. You never forget how you let God down. You never forget how you gave into the flesh. You, and how do you know, Pastor? Because I have the same flesh you do. And here's Isaac at the end of his life and he said, you know what? Thank God God is bigger than my sin. I started out trusting Him a long time ago. And here's what God says about our sins. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, He died on the cross to pay for all your sins before you were ever born. Here's what the Bible says. He hath cast them into the depths of the sea. Isaiah 38 says they're behind the back of God. Psalm 103 says our sins are as far as the east is from the west. You can never go so far east that you'll be going west. And you can never go so far west that you'll be going east. You've got to turn around. God said our sin, that's how much our sins are separated. When you trust Christ as your Savior, He separates you, you from those sins. And so here's what I want to say. This longing faith of Isaac was a confident man. He had faith in the things to come despite his sin. If you look back at verse 16, I think this verse fits. Here he was coming to his dying day and he said, 
Verse 16, but now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. I don't know about you. One of the things I'm looking forward to heaven the most is, is not having to contend with sin. Never. Never going to bug me again, Brother Cody. Never going to bug me again. So we have the longing faith of Isaac. Secondly, if you look at verse number 21, I'm, I'm moving right along here. We have the leaning faith of Jacob. The leaning faith of Jacob. It's not only the longing faith of Isaac, but the leaning faith of Jacob. It says there in verse number 21, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon his staff. Now again, you remember that this particular story, and we'll get to Joseph in just a minute, but Joseph had, had brought Jacob out, and Jacob was coming to the end of his life, and Joseph brought his sons in, in front of him to bless, and you remember he put his hand on the, the wrong one, Manasseh and Ephraim, and he quote-unquote blessed the younger. I, by the way, Brother Jeff, I don't know why that would have bothered Jacob at all, or Joseph. You know, because if you think about it, that's exactly what happened to Jacob. The younger shall serve the elder. But he, remember, he put his hands on. So let, me, let me just say a little bit about Jacob. Let's, let's notice, first of all, Jacob's living. His living. Can I tell you something about Jacob? Jacob was a rascal. You ever read about Jacob? His name means deceiver. Supplanter which is exactly what he did. Exactly what he did to Esau. He, he conned him out of his birthright, and then he and Rebekah conned him out of his blessing. Remember that whole story, Brother Dan? I, I read that story when he puts the animal skins on. First of all, I think, man, Esau must have been one hairy guy if he had an animal skin on him, amen? And he didn't even notice. Remember, he, Isaac couldn't see, and he, he said, well, the, the, the hands are Esau's, but the voice is Jacob's, and, and he blessed Jacob, and he, he conned him out of that blessing. But then remember that then uh, Rebekah sent Jacob away and sent him to live with her brother Laban. And I've often said, if there was ever two people in the Bible that were made for one another, it was Jacob and Laban. Because they were both scoundrels. And they're always trying to con each other out of everything. But then something happened in Jacob's life. He came to the point of faith. He came to that point where he wrestled with God. Remember that when he was getting ready to meet up with Esau after that? And he wrestled with God and, and he, he made the, the joint of his, his leg, uh, uh, made him halt upon his thigh, the Bible says, and he limped for the rest of his life. But he became, he went from Jacob to Israel. Power with God and with men. It's so interesting to think about that because. You remember at the end when Jacob leaves Laban and Laban chases after him and, and Jacob says, you know what, all these years I've worked for you. And he said, if, if, if a sheep was torn, I said, I bore the loss of it and I, I did this. Just, just an amazing thing about his living. He, <laughs> Jacob was a sight even after God saved him. Even after he, he placed his faith in God. But I, and I like this. I, I think this will encourage you. His faith 
not only sword, he was blessed by God because of his faith. It wasn't because of him, it was because of his faith. But his faith not only soared, but it also failed at times, didn't it? You know what, can I tell you something, church family? Your faith is going to fail at times. You know what, I am, I, I think I've mentioned this before, I do well in the big things of life, the, the big situations, the big problems. I, I generally do pretty well in my spirit, but the little things, I you know I was just talking about getting to heaven like this, I'm probably going to have to do this. Two hands. That, and you know what I find out in those little things, those little irritants of life? I find out my faith is not quite as great as I think it is. God humbles me. And maybe I fail sometimes in my faith. I like the fact that there are characters in the Bible like Jacob, like Peter. Do we remember Peter? Jesus said, you know what, everybody's going to forsake me tonight. Although everybody forsake you, I'm not going to do it. And by the way, he proved that he meant business when the high priest's servant came to take Jesus and it was Peter that pulled out the sword and lobbed off his ear. So at that point, Miss Judy, his faith was strong, but then what happened? Exactly what Jesus said. He denied Jesus three different... Hey, I saw you with Jesus. Weren't, weren't you the one? No, no, no. I, I, no, that wasn't me. It must have been somebody else. Hey, weren't you the one with Jesus? I, I could have sworn I saw... No, no, I don't even know him. And then finally the little girl says, I, I saw you with Jesus. And he began to curse and swear, saying, I know not that man. And you remember what happened? Jesus looked at him. And I don't think he looked at him like this. I think he looked at him like this. Peter failed. Two chapters later, he's preaching and 3,000 people get saved. I'm not excusing sin. I'm saying failure is part of living in a sinful world. His living... But you know what? His leaving. See, we see him here in verse 21. It says, when he was a dying, he blessed both of the sons of Joseph and worshipped. On Monday, I was privileged to go over to Mission Point, go see Mrs. Alcock. And she, she was sleeping at that time. Her sister Margaret was there, and her daughters, Debbie and Janice, were there, and some grandkids. And we just sat down, had fellowship, and thought about this precious lady. Thought pretty soon she's going to be in glory, and sooner than I thought, for sure. Because they had said she had probably about 24 to 72 hours. About four hours later, she was gone in glory. I thought to myself, in her leaving, she left everybody around her with a treasure. Not just her, 
though she was certainly a treasure. You know what she left him with? Faith. You know, those of you that are raising your little ones right now, again, I love our church so much. I really do. I love the fact that we have snowy-haired saints. That's my new word for senior saints, snowy-haired saints, amen. Mrs. Howland told me down in Florida they have a Sunday school class for 80 and up. They call it the Q-tip class. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Pretty funny. Saw a lady last week at Prairie. She had green hair. She had, it was white, but she had green in it for St. Patrick's Day. I looked at her and I said, well, I've seen some blue hairs before, but I've never seen any green hairs. She laughed. I'm glad we have senior saints, seasoned saints. Glad we have people that are my age, maybe in our 50s and 40s. Glad we have people in their 30s and 20s. Just, just, just raising those babies. You're, you're just you're dealing with diapers and uh, all kinds of things. Uh, it's a, trust me, you're going to have a party. You're going to have a marching band come to your house when you buy your last box of diapers. You know, you just think, just the money you'll save, you can probably afford a marching band at your house. But you know what? You know what the greatest treasure you can leave those babies is? Faith. What it must have been like for Jacob to put his hands on his grandkids and worship, saying, God, you've been so good to me to give me these grandbabies and I didn't even know Joseph was alive and now I get to meet his children and be around them for a little bit. His leaving. What did he leave him? He leaned upon his staff. He left him that treasure of faith. His staff, by the way, in this text is interesting. His staff is a reminder to him and to each one of us that we're just pilgrims. You know, the staff was for walking. We're on the journey. You know what? We're, we're on a journey. We're heading somewhere. We're not just walking around in the wilderness in circles. We're heading somewhere. We're heading to that city that he hath prepared. So the leaning faith of Jacob, the longing faith of Isaac, and then lastly, look at verse 22 says there, by faith, Joseph, when he died, <clears throat> made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. We just finished earlier, or at the end, I'm sorry, over the fall of 2022, we did a 10-week series on Joseph. From the pit to the palace. One of my favorite Bible characters. Probably my favorite Old Testament Bible character is the character of Joseph. In the New Testament is Peter. Peter shows me that God can use even me and Joseph shows me what a man can be. Really. And it, you think about it, ladies and gentlemen, it was a miracle that Joseph had any faith at all. Why? Why? Well, you remember he had ten stepbrothers, right, who hated him, couldn't stand him, so literally put him in a pit deciding whether they were going to kill him or not, within earshot. 
then sentence him to a fate worse than death, which is slavery in early Bible days, sold him to the Midians. He, he is bought of a man named Potiphar. He serves Potiphar with all he's got, with the very best of his ability, and Potiphar's wife casts her eye upon him and says, lie with me. He refuses, does the right thing, and ends up in prison. Then in prison, continues to do the right thing. By the way, I love that. Young people, no matter where you are, you can always do the right thing. It's a decision to do the wrong thing or the right thing. had a conversation with somebody yesterday. We were, we were talking about baseball and steroids and all that. And I said, I said you know what? Nobody, nobody forced those guys to put that needle in their arm. Remember Clarence Sexton years ago, he said this, no one can take your integrity from you. You have to surrender it yourself. Here's Joseph, and he's doing the right thing, and he, he comes across these two prisoners, and, and they're, they're uh, Pharaoh's butler and baker, the, the chief of both, and he, he says to them, you look sad, and they say, well, we've had a dream, and we can't interpret it, and, and uh, Joseph interprets their dream through the power of God. And all he says to them, Brother Michael, is just remember me when you come to Pharaoh. One was going to go before Pharaoh. One was going to be hung by Pharaoh. He says to that one, he says, just remember me when you come before Pharaoh. And the Bible says he forgot him. I don't know about you, my faith right now in this story is about like this. See? You know what? I remember somebody recently <laughs> saying, uh, I said, hey, hey, how you doing? People ask me, and we were, we were just, Michael and I were just joking about that, the, the responses when somebody asks you how you're doing. I love going to a restaurant. They say, uh, the manager comes over to Brother Allen and says, so how was your meal? I said, could possibly be the worst meal I've ever had in my life. And they go, really? I said, no, not really. <laughs> it was very good, you know. Just, just try to throw them a little bit. But people ask me, hey, how you doing? I say, oh, man, have to be twins to be any better. That's pretty good. What did we say, Brother Michael? How you doing? Finer and frog's hair. That's pretty good. You know, you think about this this story of Joseph. And I was getting at it. I go up to somebody and say, say, how are you doing? I say, well, I'm doing all right under the circumstances. I heard an old preacher say, what are you doing under there? Some of you are just getting that right now. <laughs> I'm doing all right under the circumstances. Preacher said, what are you doing under there? You know what? You know why Joseph had great faith? His faith was always in God. Now listen, I'm a pastor. I deal in people. You learn this quick in the ministry. People let you down. It's a fact. There's been people in this church that have never let me down. Not one time. There's been others that have let me down, come back, been a blessing. Then there's been some that have left. It's, it happens. It's just people. We're all, we're all human. We're all capable of letting one another down. Joseph's faith was always... In God Almighty. Now it's easy to say that, and then you remember that for 13 years, sold into slavery, in prison, all that. But what happens? Two years later, Joseph is in prison. The butler comes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh has this dream, and the butler has one of those moments. The butler says, Oh, that's right. There was that Hebrew slave in, in prison. He interpreted our dream. Comes to Pharaoh. Joseph comes to power. 
becomes second in command of all of Egypt. And then he gets ready to pass off the scene. He gets ready to pass off the scene. And verse 22 says, and this is in chapter 50 of Genesis, verse 22 through 25, it says, By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. You know what we see here in Joseph? We see him as he's dying, this, this liberating faith of Joseph. Not only the longing faith of Isaac and the leaning faith of Jacob, but the liberating faith of Joseph. We see a promised exodus. You know what? God promised the Israelites that he would lead them out of the land of Egypt. By the way, under Joseph, it will be good. For 30 years, it'll be good. And then you remember as the book of Exodus opens, remember what it says? There arose a new king who knew not Joseph. The Bible tells us that Israel would be in Egypt for 430 years, but 400 of those years are referred to as cruel bondage. I think in the book of Judges, I think it calls it the iron furnace. Just a but you know what Joseph says? God's going to lead us out. God's going to lead us out. These all died in faith, verse 13 says, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them. Promise exodus. Can I, can I, can I tell you about a promise exodus, ladies and gentlemen? One day, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are going to leave this body down here. And you are going north. I like to tell that to all my southern friends. <laughs> Heaven's in the north, the Bible says. <laughs> Leave this old world of sin behind. Glory. That's a liberating faith right there. You know what else that'll liberate you from? All the worries and cares that bother you so much. One day it's all going to be over. Hey, listen, I think we all, we all found out this week, we all need fuel oil, right? We all need gas for our journey. By the way, those electric cars, not that good this week. Not that good. The parking lot full of them next to those chargers that didn't work. Thank God for gasoline <laughs> and fossil fuels, amen, kept us from freezing to death. Promised exodus. But you know what? Joseph mentions also a personal exodus in this text. Joseph's bones were taken from Egypt and transported to Shechem. Taken out of Egypt as God promised. Egypt is a picture of the world in the Bible. It's a type. Four times a year here we take time and we celebrate the Lord's table. We take communion together. And we, deacons and I, will stand here and we'll, we'll read the text in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. I received the Lord, that which also I was delivered, that the same night in which the Lord was betrayed, he took bread and broke it and gave thanks and said, take, eat, this is my, my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup and supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. 
Brother Jeff, he's going to take us out of Egypt. He's going to take us out of Egypt. Here's my question to you today. Death may be a long way down the road or maybe closer than you think. I always remember old George Younce from the cathedrals. He was the bass. George Younce was the bass. And I remember him singing a song one time and he said, he stopped and he, in the middle of the song he just did a little re recitation. I used to call it a resuscitation. You know? <laughs> did a little a recitation and he said this. He said, I've got more days behind me than I do ahead of me. He said, and I know that. But he said, if the Lord were to call me today, my bags are packed and I'm ready to go. That's my question to you today. Are you ready to go? You say, I'm only 24 years old. You know, if you'll go over to the cemetery, I'll guarantee you'll find a grave with a 24-year dash between the dates. I go, obviously, to cemeteries more than most do as a pastor. I've seen graves with one day on them where a baby was born and died the same day. I've seen people that have lived 105 years and I've seen everything in between. Here's the key. Amos 4.12 says, prepare to meet thy God. You're either going to die in your sins or you can die with Christ having forgiven you of your sins. That's the choice. The faith at death. Father, we love you. Thank you.